This is the Extra Point Podcast. Yeah, sorting out Monday night football. Had to do this from the home studio. Rest and recovery is important, even if you're just watching the game. Chad Brown, <laughs> Hall of Fame nominee, joins us here on the Extra Point Podcast. Chad, first of all, great to see you. We've seen, we've seen you on the sidelines sometimes in Glendale. And uh, as you were able to kind of, I don't did you watch the whole Monday night game last night? I did. Yeah, it, uh, it was a tough one here, a sad one. You saw Kyler Murray go down like that. And, and it's just, it's one of those deals where we're like, what, first of all, you feel for him. Uh, what's it like being on the field when you, when you see a teammate go down like that? How does it, how does a team regroup? It's difficult. There's no doubt about that. It's a difficult thing to recover from, particularly when it's a, a player as, uh, as important as Kyler Murray is for the Cardinals. When you have a teammate go down, your, your first thought is obviously about him and you want him to be well, then how do we find a way to replace this guy? What can we bring from an energy perspective to pick up where he's now going to be gone. How do we assist the player who's coming in to replace him? Uh, so for that, you know, I guess most of the answers for that were evidence on the field last night that Colt McCoy uh, is not going to be able to bring what Kyler Murray brings to this Cardinals offense. Yeah, and I was trying to think of when you were in Pittsburgh, if there was some sort of devastating injury you were on the field for. I know Rod Woodson went down one time earlier in the mm-hmm. year. What what is that like at halftime when the team goes in there and knows that everything's changed? Uh, you have to mentally adjust and you have to you know shift your focus. One of my favorite sayings is, "What's the most important play of the game? The next play. You can't do anything about that last play." So in Pittsburgh, and my third year in Pittsburgh, Rod Woodson goes down uh, on the opening game against the Detroit Lions. The next year, we're in Jacksonville, Florida, and we lose Greg Lloyd in the opening game of the season. So two guys who were defensive player of the year kind of talents, you have to find a way to move forward and replace those guys. And you have to mentally shift as a player from, oh my gosh, we lost our leader. What are we going to do to the next plays coming up? What can we do to affect this next play? All right. So if you're the Arizona Cardinals, what do you do? We don't have, we don't have the, the prognosis yet on Kyler. We hear it looks bad. He's out for, I mean, however long it takes to rehab an ACL now. And you've got a lot of money tied up in him and you got a lot of things to fix. What what does it look like for the Arizona Cardinals in the, in the three-year plan here? Because I'm I, there's not a whole lot of optimism here in the Valley of the Sun this morning. I can understand where that lack of optimism is, is coming from. You know, from the immediate standpoint, can Colt McCoy fill – Kyler Murray's shoes, uh, again, we saw the results last night. We've seen them a couple times this season. Doesn't seem like that's going to be the the case. Now, thinking a little bit more long-term, there seems like there's a curse of the quarter-billion-dollar contract going around the NFL right now. Obviously, we saw what happened with Deshaun Watson. Russell Wilson is struggling here in Denver. And then Kyler Murray, to be frank around, has struggled pretty much all season there in Arizona. So what do these teams do with these incredible contracts that are going to be difficult to get out from under? I'm not sure of the particulars of Kyler's contract out there in Arizona, but for here in Denver, the cap hit for Russell Wilson, if the Broncos wanted to move on after this season, would be a dead cap hit of $107 million. You cannot field a reasonable football team if you got a dead cap hit of $107 million taking up half of the salary cap. So both these, I think all three of these teams now have to figure out a way on how to move forward with these guys. And the quarterbacks, all three of them have their certain limitations. But speaking specifically about Kyler and Russell, there's limitations. What do we do from a coaching perspective? Uh, What can Cliff Kingsbury do 
I'm not sure if he's going to be the coach after this season. You know, does the management bring in another coach who skill sets would seem to match what Kyler Murray brings can get along with him and maximize him? Because that's the discussion we're having here in Denver. Russell Wilson is going to be here. There's no way to get out from underneath that contract. Nathaniel Hackett and the new coaching staff, they don't have to be here. So who do we bring in from a coaching perspective that can maximize Russell Wilson's talents? Here in Denver, we're talking about Sean Payton, who had success with Drew Brees, a shorter quarterback, being able to navigate from the pocket and not use his feet so much as Russell Wilson's getting older. That seems like it's going to be the best fit. I'm not sure what they do in Arizona. I'm not sure what the best fit is for Kyler Murray because initially it seemed like Cliff Kingsbury bringing some of the things he learned in college would be a great fit for Kyler Murray. So far, that hasn't been the case. No, we're talking about Sean Payton here in the desert. So I don't know. We might have to fight over him or maybe I'll I'll (laughs) tell you receiver. We'll get a pass rusher down here. Um, As far as just defense goes from your days, playing defense and, and trying to stop quarterbacks. And you played in an era where it was, there was more traditional statue. There weren't a whole lot of running quarterbacks or guys that do what, what Kyler or Russell Wilson do. Are you a fan of that type of offense? Do you think it we're evolving more in that direction or with the, the curse here, do we go back to some of the more statuesque guys who just throw it to the fast guy and get out of the way? Well, I understand the pressure that a running quarterback puts upon the defense. Very few of those guys have had any real deep playoff success. Now, it's kind of the stats are a little bit cloudy because, you know, Tom Brady's won, you know, six plus Super Bowls. So, the, so there's that. Um, that. That kind of skews the results a bit. And he's a statue back there. Um, but from a long term perspective, to maximize the value you get from your quarterback, for the longest term you possibly can, obviously a pocket passer is going to be the way to go. Once these quarterbacks start taking off and running, then an ACL possibly for Kyler Murray becomes an issue. A concussion like we saw for Russell Wilson on Sunday, that becomes an issue. Both Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray have been plagued this season by hamstring injuries, which limits their effectiveness both in and out the pocket. So these running quarterbacks, the the ability for them to stay healthy is perhaps the biggest issue. And when you're talking about investing the kind of dollars that these teams are investing now in quarterbacks, a quarter of a billion dollars, that that guy's job is not to play on Sunday or not to play every Sunday. It's to play every play of every Sunday. And your best ability is so often always going to be your availability. And if these guys can't be available, then what are we paying all that money for? So I know the quarterbacks coming out of college are, you know, have the skill set to be able to run the football. But again, if we're going to think long term, the pocket passer is always going to be your best solution. So Brett Rippon, Colt McCoy, this is a glimpse of the future of football this Sunday in Denver. (laughs) Uh, You know, maybe not the future of football because you can only deal with what's coming out of college. But if you're going to, again, be able to hit your wagon to a quarterback for the longest term possible, that's going to be a, a pocket passer. Uh, I mean, there's a reason why the Baltimore Ravens don't want to give up all the money it's going to take to retain Lamar Jackson because they know he is literally just one play away from being nicked up or injured. As a former defensive player, I always had something extra for the quarterback. I always wanted to hit everybody as hard as I could, but if you're the quarterback, I got a little something extra for you. And I know I'm not the only guy who thinks that way from a defensive perspective. So these running quarterbacks need to understand that they are being hunted out there, and I got something extra to bring to you if I get a chance to hit you. 
But man, it's I, I I can't stop watching Lamar Jackson though. I mean, every time he's on TV, I have to watch. I did notice last last night watching at Monday Night Football being on the field and just seeing RG three. He looks like he could still play, but just the 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 pounding that his body took, and and now he's he's broadcasting. So um, if you're if you're the Cardinals and Kyler Murray, if you're if you're the Broncos and and and, and Russell Wilson. Where do you start building a team? If you have that much money tied up in a quarterback, do you start, if you're the GM with a pass rusher, do you start with your offensive line? Do you, because there's the throwing is, is, is such a big part of the game. Now do you start in your secondary? Where do you begin? Well, I mean, Arizona's already invested in DeAndre Hopkins. So they got a ton of money in the wide receiver position. I would look at that offensive line. What can I do to make this guy more comfortable in the pocket? And then consequently, hopefully the run game would improve if you're able to improve your offensive line because a running quarterback's best friend is often the run game because that opens up the bootlegs and the roll rollouts. And they can get those guys, you know, in a situation where they can roll out of the pocket, run or pass, but you have to set up the run first to make those plays effective. Otherwise, those defensive ends are not going to honor the backside of a run on a run play, and you're going to be able to stop that quarterback from rolling out and doing bootlegs. So there's, there's a, a, I think, a possibility for both these teams to invest in their offensive line, make those guys more comfortable in the pocket, improve the run game, and then it will really change the way that these guys play from a I have to, every time I drop back to pass, thinking be thinking run. No, I want you thinking about those receivers down the field. I want you thinking in the pocket and operating as a pocket passer. That's how we're going to get you available for all 17 games and keep you healthy for the span of this contract that pays you so much money well and you know the the other quarterback who, who's making headlines here in arizona is of course brock purdy and the purdy niners he, he was playing high school ball out here not too long ago and we thought oh man this is a great story he got a college scholarship now he's the quarterback of the san francisco 49ers as you look at their team play the way their offense operates is there a chance that brock purdy could return home to his hometown and lead the niners to the super bowl here in arizona in february Yes, there is a chance, a significant chance at that. I had the uh, 49ers Miami game for for Compass Media, so I was at, I was calling that game. Uh, you see Jimmy Garoppolo go down, Brock Purdy comes in, and I think everybody just thought this was going to be over. Uh, Mister Irrelevant comes into the ball game, so he becomes not only the first Mister Irrelevant to complete an NFL pass, then he becomes the first Mister Irrelevant to have a touchdown pass thrown. Then he becomes the first Mr. Relevant to lead his team to a victory. So, I mean, he's checking all kinds of boxes. He's playing at a really high level. Then he was able to repeat it again in the second week. Now, the NFL, you know, defensive coordinators, you give those guys enough tape, they'll find ways to slow you down if you are not truly one of the elite of elites. So we'll see if the bubble will pop for Brock Purdy and, and Kyle Shanahan, but Kyle's a very creative play caller. They've got Christian McCaffrey. they got Debo Samuels. Well, at least they'll – should have Debo Sanders back by the end of the regular season. So they've got some weapons offensively that can take a lot of pressure off a young quarterback like Brock Purdy, but he is making plays on in critical situations. On third and fourth downs, Kyle is trusting him to drop back in the pocket, identify the defense, and, and find the receiver down the field. So, no, it is not out of the realm of possibility that he is leading the 49ers to a possible Super Bowl, not just in the game, but a possible Super Bowl victory. So who do you think will be here and what games are you watching or maybe broadcasting this weekend where we can find you that will have a major impact on who will well, be in the 
I'll be on my couch this weekend. I got the weekend off, so that's, that's nice. That's nice. Um, I actually be driving my wife from Denver to our home in Arizona, so I'll be in your neck of the woods pretty soon. But, uh, you know, San Francisco, Seattle, who's going to win that division? Uh, Minnesota, Buffalo, uh, that's going to be interesting. New York Giants, uh, the, the Commanders, who's going to win that division? And then to answer your, your last question, I got KC Philly in the Super Bowl, but it's been such a weird season. Um, I could see a couple other teams possibly sneaking in there. Well, it's uh, it's cold right now in Arizona, so you might want to stay up in Colorado, man. We're like we're like uh, Denver weather here, so you know. Hopefully, I'll, my wife's a meteorologist; I'll have her work on the forecast. Uh, well, your cold is far different than our cold here in Denver, so I'll take that Arizona cold well before I take this Colorado cold. Uh, hey, you're a Buffalo. You're a, a Colorado Buffalo and alum. So, I did want to ask you about Deion Sanders. What what has it been like since he walked on campus there in Boulder? And, and what, what do you think this does for the Pac-12 and, and the resurgence of Colorado to, to where they were when you played there? Uh, the excitement level and optimism has been absolutely bananas. Uh, kind of, in some ways, resembles the excitement of the Bronco fan base when Russell Wilson became the quarterback. We see how that has played out. I expect things to go a little bit better for Dion up in Boulder than they have for Russell Wilson with the Broncos. Uh, but the excitement level is really high. He's already getting some four- and five-star recruits. I cannot remember the last time CU was able to pull in that level of recruit. So the optimism is very high. Do I think this is a long-term fit between the Buffaloes and Dion? No, I think he's going to move on to bigger pastures uh, at some point. But at the very least, he's made the Colorado Buffaloes a nationally relevant college football team. Again, the transfer portal which was making things very difficult for CU to improve their team. He got the administration to, or at least Rick George, the athletic director, got the administration to admit that. The salary they're, they're willing to pay a head coach and his assistant coaches has been raised now to major college football level. So the changes that happen will help the Buffs in the future, even if Dion's not a long-term fit. I see a bowl game for the Buffs next year because all you got to get is the six wins. And the commissioner of the Pac-12 has already talked about Deion Sanders being able to raise the attention of the Pac-12 to a high enough level where he thinks he can raise the asking price for the Pac-12 in their pursuit of a media rights deal. Oh, wow. Well, that's that's the name of the game right now, for sure. That's that's a really interesting point. Uh, before uh, before you get out of here, I did want to uh, congratulate you on being a Hall of Fame nominee. If there's anything we can do here in Arizona to, to <laughs> call the on there, uh, how do you kind of go go about uh, waiting for the, the knock on the door, the phone call and and uh, uh, what's the next couple months of your life like here? Uh, I don't think I'm going to be a, a, you know, a first ballot nominee. This is the first year I, I've been nominated. When you're an older player like myself, I believe it takes some time. It helps to be in the media and have folks remember from you, know, you from your media times back to what you used to do as a player. Uh, I've seen a similar thing with my, uh, my friend Steve Atwater here in Denver. He had to go through this process for a number of years, and his presence as a media guy certainly helped. Um, and then uh, there's a lot of guys who are in the Hall of Fame who I played against and had some success against. You know, I, I got sacks against Tony Baselli. I got sacks against Willie Rofe. I got sacks against Wheel Shield. So hopefully those guys would be willing to stand up for me. But, uh, yeah, my breath is not being held this year at all. Four or five years down the road, we'll see if I can get some momentum. But as they say with the Academy Awards, man, it's an honor just to be nominated. I just want to see Bill Cower on the sidelines yelling at you and Greg Lloyd one more time. <laughs> There's, that's football, man. We don't we don't see that anymore. We need that. 
Chad, Greg, just go out and sack the quarterback. <laughs> That's fantastic. Hey, thank you so much for your time. Let's do this again. If you're in Arizona, stop by the studio. And, uh, yeah, good luck the rest of the season. Happy holidays. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, and I'll see you out there in AZ. Take it easy, buddy. The Extra Point Podcast is a production of 3TV, CBS5, and azfamily.com in Phoenix, Arizona.